Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial, the show that celebrates the themes of Saturday morning cartoons, which not only did we grow up with, let's take a look at pop culture. Turns out they grew up with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these velvet dulcety tones in your ears right now, oh, it's me, Dan Grimshay, and I'm your host. These screeching, almost non-human tones you're about to hear, first of all, are Marky. Are you there, Marky? You always are for me. Please be there. I'm barely hanging on, man, but I'm here. Oh, that feels great. You know what? A little support in the form of Jimmy the Gent would help me out, too, right now. It's me, Jimmy! All right, Jimmy the Gent Lazinski, Marky, and, of course, the aforementioned myself, the host, Dan Grimshay. And we're talking today about something I really don't know a lot about. And uh, so I'm going to need to be filled in. That's right. I don't know if uh, if we've got theme music ready, but this is another Explain It to Dan Shea episode. <laughs> First, right off the bat, uh, uh, we're, we're doing Death in the Family. New DVD, Blu-ray Choose your own adventure from the D- available animated on Blu-ray, Batman. available on digital. Yes, it's the it's Even the new digital. thing from oh. DC Animated, which is a very popular uh, franchise right now. Oh man, you guys probably should have been in charge of uh, announcing that because again, I Dan am absolutely ignorant of one of the crucial parts here. Apparently. Uh, and, and and you guys, I know, were planning this episode after doing this uh, this uh, new style. I I've been looking at your expense reports. It looks like you went all the way to New York for the big New York Comic Con this week. Yeah, yes. And you've come back with this strangely Zoom sounding uh, <laughs> roundtable discussion. <laughs> yeah, this is the world that we live in, and uh, we all should just uh, shut up and put up with it. Yeah, these are the names we give it. Mm-hmm. This is it. So, yeah, we we ended up getting invited to the press room roundtable for the Batman Death in the Family DC animated release. And lo and behold, this is a first where this is a kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, decide-the-fate-of-Robin kind of thing. And there's some cultural touchstones involved with making this particular title in that particular way. So you mean like, uh, you know, that uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch episode on Netflix? What'd you call me? <laughs> uh, I, I think you heard me, Bander. 
<laughs> but the, uh, the the whole choose your own adventure uh-huh. uh, TV movie narrative thing. This is what they're doing. This is the first time they've done it. Right. But I think it's funny that it's... Now, this- why would they do it with this? I mean, apparently Robin's fate or somebody's uh, in the wind, I'm still unclear. Yes. Why would they do that? Well, it is a death in the family, and that family member is Robin. Spoiler alert. Uh, Let me interject here, fellas. (laughs) (laughs) Resident Batman episode finally stepping in to say something. Jimmy, please, what? Well, yeah. So way back in 1988, and I think you young lads were still in high school or some such nonsense. High school? Maybe even (laughs) junior high. But anyway... Uh... I was <clears throat> high school Close class enough. of 95, just to put you in. There's a lot. So there's a lot of history that leads us up to the moment of this movie, that what, what happens. So I don't know where we well, should start. Well, give it start. to me, because I am unaware. I, I know the basic Batman canon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it with a big brush and some broad strokes, but hopefully you'll learn a little something. Mm-hmm. So uh, back will. around 80, 1983, this is a well before the turn of the century. Uh Robin had decided he wanted to go on and be his own superhero by the name of Nightwing. Well, he grew up. Right. Yeah, he's not the boy wonder anymore. Again, broad strokes. And so they need a new Robin. And at the time, their decision was to pretty much just fill in a cookie-cutter version of Dick Grayson to replace him by the name of Jason Todd. And his originally his parents were killed in an acrobatic accident at the circus. All right, all right, hold on. I'm sorry. Here's where my ignorance needs to shine through. What the fuck is this Dick Grayson, Jason Todd? What are you talking about? I thought we were talking about Robin here. Maybe okay. we need to go a little further back. <laughs> That's fair. You're right. Now, Let me... do you think the average man on the street knows that there are a bunch of various Robins with these weird, very white names? Uh, that's hard for me to say because especially oh, it's easy for me. I'm a fan on the street. I'm no. not the average man on the street. Let's okay, well me. you just you just you just caught me. And so, uh, Dick Grayson was the first Robin. What uh, do you mean this the first year, Robin celebrated. in like the 40s, the 60s, in, uh, 1939, which, and Batman who, who number was Bert one. Ward? Also was Robin on TV's uh, Batman. So he was Dick Grayson. Show. Yes. All right. He was the first Robin. Then Robin grew up, wanted to be his own superhero, and and claimed the moniker Nightwing. Now, in his in the vacuum that was left in the sidekick position, we come across a new character by the name of Jason Todd, who eventually gets to be Robin and fights alongside Batman. So there was a little period there Batman was Robinless. Short time. Very short time. And he again, this is the the early eighties. Nineteen and eighty three is when Jason Todd first appeared on the scene and became Robin. And a slightly different to sidebar, uh slightly different to Dick Grayson, who was his ward, he adopted uh Jason Todd. So he was his father. I Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm with you. All right. Okay. So instead of guardian, he was father. So he mm-hmm. loved Jason Todd more. This is very clear. All right. Well, maybe, maybe not. This, is, but these are things that do come up. 
Ooh, ambiguity. That's great in an answer for someone sure. who knows well, nothing about it. Well, I mean, it. This, Thanks, thus, creates, thus creates the friction and the drama of the Batman family. Like, uh, Dick is always wondering, did he love me more? And uh, But that's not uh, kind of fluent to what we're talking about. <laughs> but So Jason Todd is, for about five years, he's Robin, and the writers write him as... Uh, Quite frankly, again, to keep it short, a dick, and wasn't a big fan. He wasn't. The fans weren't a big fan of him. He was. And they, he was kind of violent, right? He was kind of a little aggressive. He was more violent. Yeah, yeah he had a chip on his shoulder. Um, yeah, and and the fans just didn't like him the way he. And you know, obviously, it's a fictional character, and that's just the way they're writing him. But they received a lot of letters. But they forced that they didn't this like him. Jason Todd and, Robin. Right, and there was also probably a little bit, and I, and I can speak to this, for me, was like, hey, this isn't my Robin. Who's this fucking mm-hmm, punk kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you right? were actively reading, so you were on the side yeah, like, I, I lived like this. I lived through this. Mm-hmm. Were there campaigns to, I don't know, bring Dick Grayson back? or? Well, in 1988 mm. is when they came up with this campaign, right? Oh, to, there is. To, okay. Well, DC wanted to clip somebody. They were going to try this experiment. They were going to get rid of somebody uh, to have somebody call in and decide the fate of a character. And uh, they couldn't be a, a throwaway character. It had to be somebody Boy, that big. really sounds like a DC supervillain premise. Yeah. Like, I can picture a lot of Batman's uh, nemeses saying, uh, call this 900 number and decide which one of your cohorts lives and dies. Well, that's the, yeah, that's essentially what they did. That was the experiment. Could they affect the comic books? We we're going to let the readers decide. So they set up a 900 number to decide the fate of Dick Grayson. Yeah, I, um, I actually story. found the original in-comic flyer, and um, it mm-hmm. says, Robin will die because the Joker wants revenge, but you can prevent it with a telephone call. The number is 1-800-720-2660, the Joker fails and Robin lives, or 1-900-720-2666, the Joker succeeds and Robin Wait. will not survive. Hold on. Did you say one of them was the uh, was an 800 number no, no, no. and the other no. was a 900 number? They're both 1-900 they're both numbers. It's 50 cents a call. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't matter which that way was, you vote. And that was big money back in that was big money back in eighty eight. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Kids would definitely need permission to call a nine hundred number. And it, it actually says that these numbers will work only in the USA and Canada between the following hours, September fifteenth and September sixteenth. So this was a two day campaign from uh Right. They they promoted yeah. it for months before. Mm-hmm. And then the story came out, and essentially what happens is it's a, it's a I want to say it's a four story arc, but the end of it is the Joker. And you've seen this referenced at this point many times over in Batman lore. Uh, Joker beats the crap out of Robin, beats him to death with a crowbar. With, with a crowbar. With a crowbar. Actually, you right? know what? I I was kind of aware that some Robin met his fate that way, strictly right. because of a lot of Batman video games. Yeah. That I've played, and I feel like aside from any movies, that's the only place I've gotten like sanctioned DC Batman info. Mm-hmm. Let's call but it. They, it does seem like they've all taken for granted that I know all these backstories. 
Well, it's pretty old at this point, you know, 30 years old, 32 years old at this point. I came here for explanations, not a shaming. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do the gatekeeping if you don't mind. Well, Uh, well, and since since this is the 80th anniversary of Robin, this this is the year of our Lord, 80 years. Right. This is the 80 well, 80th anniversary of Dick Grayson of the and, and Dick the character Robin. Robin. And the right. character Robin. Uh, see, yes. yes, again, it's very I always thought there was a Robin. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's been So there's been multiple there's Robins. There's been multiple stands. Robins. I mean, yeah, um, two of them. I'm, I'm he changes that. them like oil filters. Yeah, so there's there's Ooh. there's Dick Grayson, there's Jason Todd, who we're going to be talking about a lot. Um, right. And that's all the Robins. Well, no, up. there's Tim Drake. What? There's Tim Drake. Oh, for, for, there's Stephanie Brown, and there's Damian Wayne. Um, there's also, if you were to remember, in the Christopher Nolan movie, um, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, uh, yeah, he's got a Gordon Levitt in the yeah, mix too. Yeah, and his and his name is like this amalgamation. His name is John Blake. So it's, John Blake was a character from the comic books that they used, a very obscure one-off character. Oh, I see. But that they used. But, and then they that Batman helped as a kid. And, Ooh, and they gave learning. him the middle name of Robin. So he was John Robin Blake. So he mm-hmm. he's kind of in the middle, being Nightwing, being uh, Batman. JRB. Yeah. You skipped over, Mark, uh, if you don't mind, uh, Carrie Kelly no, from the Dark Knight I was Returns. about to get to that because that happens to be my favorite Robin that's not Dick Grayson, is Carrie Kelly. And Carrie Kelly was like a, oh, she was like a 12-year-old she girl. She don't shiv. I, re- I yeah. did read Carrie that. You're shiv. talking about the Frank Miller. Yes. Yeah, I, I did forget about that. And I feel like she was a self-styled Robin, so I didn't really clock her as being official. Yeah, she actually... If I'm remembering um, right. Yeah, she's like just this little punky girl who's like acrobatic and she's brave. And she just wants to help Batman, who just came out of retirement, basically. Like Miles Morales, she goes to the costume store and buys a Robin costume. Yeah. And, and forces her way into helping Batman. And she but I have to imagine... If I was growing up in Gotham from the age of you know seven to thirteen, I would have been wearing a Robin costume all the time. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, hey, sidebar. You never maybe know. that's part of Batman's plan is to have even more decoys. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> but stay on topic. Stay on. I mean, I want That's a that's a thread I want to pull on later. But but yeah, I I don't want this to go off course too too much. But yeah. there's there's. Right. Oh, there has been you a can lot kill of one Robin, but there might have been hundreds in Robin costumes over the years. Yes, there's been a lot of Robins, and they, you know I think everybody has their favorite. I think most of them. You know, Mark, if I may, uh, we did a pretty deep dive over on our sister podcast, the Powcast, uh-huh. where we talked a lot about Robin and the 80 year anniversary, and spoke to Burt Ward, TV's Dick Grayson. Uh-huh. Well, I love. But today we're talking about Jason Powcast. If you want to know more about. Dick Grayson, check out that. Check a out good our show. Point. That is a nice in-depth dive, and uh, that uh, that host, the very charismatic host over there, has developed quite a relationship oh. with Burt Ward, and he's handsome too. One so, would say he is the Ward of Burt Ward. Oh, dare to dream. So that's a Jimmy Grayson. <laughs> Worth it, true. So now back to Jason Todd. <laughs> nice, nice segue. Okay. Go back. Holy segue, Batman. We dropped the momentum. <laughs> Jason Todd, let's go. Yeah, listen, fill me in. Jason Todd, he was, he sounds like he was a troubled orphan, mm-hmm. got adopted, but uh, never quite got over that angry streak. And then, so, so how does Batman deal with this? Well, and then, so there, there was this big campaign. Storm? 
There was this big campaign. So that's where we left yeah, off. Yeah. Is right. Yeah. The stage is set. Yeah. Uh, fans aren't a big fan of his. DC needs a big hit, a big gimmick, because they're uh, they're soon to be competing with the move, the Batman movie that's coming out. And as always, you know, comic books need their big tentpole event or whatever it is, something to sell some more books. So they were they were willing to experiment with somebody who's going to decide the fate. Uh, they chose yeah. they chose this big guy, uh, big name, big tier character, Robin, Jason Todd, no. and set it up so you could call one of the 900 numbers and decide his fate, yes or no. Yes, he lives. Yes, he dies. So the well, end I of also life, imagine I want to be getting books. some feedback about how he was not a fan favorite. So it just right. sweetens the pot. That's like, that's why right, they you thought really he would be a go? good. If you really want us to kill him, prove it. So I, I that's why they that thought move. that. That's why the editor Denny O'Neill at the time chose him because if you put Batman up there, there's no real consequence. Of course, they're not going to kill Batman, but it, it, all this. But if you put up Jason Todd, who has all this fiction with friction with the fans. And with well, the characters know, 30 and story. years late, but so, uh, big props to Denny. Good call. Long story longer. Joker beats the crap out of him with a, with a crowbar. Batman busts in and carries him out. And then there's a month uh, in between comic books. And then, as Mark said, there's two days that you can call in these 900 numbers. And it was decided by less than, uh, I think it was 74 votes. 72. That it was decided that. Out, out, out of how many total votes, though? 10,000. Oh, oh, no, yeah, yeah. 10,000. Yeah. Yeah, it was just over 10,000. Yep. Total votes. Yeah, there was there was 10,000 total votes, but the difference was 72 votes. Right. Um, and an interesting sidebar is it, it might have been a, managed to make five grand off of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least. Uh, and there was allegedly this computer program, a guy out in California programmed his computer to dial the number every couple minutes. And he claims that it was, and he he was having it dial and vote no. So he claims that it was him that actually killed Robin, because the number of times that he called was more than the difference of votes. He called over a hundred times. Was his name the Joker? <laughs> oh, because that that, that really me. feels like that I could be the movie. Information in he actually me. killed Robin, and came out and tried to take credit for it. So that's using a piece of, of evil technology. Does anyone else want to keep throwing it? Because there's lots of, I think, similarities here. I I like. The, I want to hear like more about going that with than this. Robin. Actually. I like. I like where you're going with this. Only it's not going anywhere. So go oh, ahead. Oh, but hey, listen, uh, tweeters out there, tweet at uh, Stay Classy SDCC. <laughs> Let me know the real story behind this. I'm sure some of you listening know it. I Dan Grimshay need to learn. I'm ignorant. Uh, so anyway, moving on, I feel like now you've given me at least the history of a couple well, but, of Robins, but you know what, though, Jason um, Todd. Can, can I now tell me, thing? how do they tell this story? Can, can I add just one little thing? Um, oh, I'd love it. In, uh, in 1989, when all this was going on, oh, I'm sorry, in, uh, yeah, I think it was 1988. 88. In uh, 88. All of the, you know, uh, on the cover of Newsweek, on Time Magazine, on you know, 60 minutes or whatever was whatever was the median. It wasn't Jason Todd is dead. It was Robin is dead. You know, so to most people that are just out there, this was really that Robin had been killed. And even, you know, even though I was of age to be reading comics and, I was a part of, you know, I was a part of this kind of generation that kind of lived through this. 
to me, I remember Robin dying. And, it, and were you aware at the time that it was Jason Todd and not Dick Grayson? I don't remember that. I I, oh, okay. I actually one... I actually still have my you know my original uh, graphic novel, which was the collection of all of the comic books that led up to this. It was like a four or five comic book arc, but I still have my original one from 1989 or whatever. And I just remember Robin was dead. You know, and it didn't really occur. It it wasn't as impactful to me when I was that age that it was Jason Todd or it was Dick Grayson. It didn't really matter. It was that Robin had died. So this was a big cultural thing to what I'm. Well, let me ask you, if young Marquis was allowed to call one of those numbers, which way would you have voted at that age? I, I would have voted no, you know, All right, right. because you want to save Robin. Right. I want to save Robin. You know? Jimmy. Uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, although I feel like you would have said it if you did, did you vote? I did. Oh. Which I way did you no. vote? No, don't voted, kill him, or no, kill down. this mother. <laughs> I voted thumbs down, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, because I think for, he was more aware that it was Jason Todd. Huh? I didn't enjoy him as a character, and... Um, yeah, but to kill him, you... You know, sick. will this experiment work? Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's mix up the, the normal, you know, the status quo, Right. And see, let's let's see if they'll follow. Let's see what could happen. Let's see if DC will follow through and really kill off one of their biggest uh, properties, franchises, or, uh, IPs, characters. Big help, stop me. Mm-hmm. Oh. But it also <laughs> feels like you were much more like into the psychology of this property at that point than like me and Marquis would have been just a few years behind you, but developmentally still children. Mm-hmm. And we want to root for Robin. Right. You wanted to kill Jason Todd. How complex an idea that is. Um, and now you're telling me to... they finally revisited it with some sort of uh, digital video disc and digital download style. <laughs> what, bring well, me back Dan, again. What is this Grim, Death in Grim the Family Shea, Grim, about? Grim Shea, we're not there yet. Oh, we got to talk to <laughs> Yeah, so originally they did a story all about that called Under the Red Hood. Eventually... Uh, Jason Todd comes back to life and assumes the moniker of the Joker's first alias, the Red Hood. And it's a year-long storyline where nobody knows who the Red Hood is. And it's finally revealed to be Jason Todd, who is a more violent version of Batman, who is cleaning up Gotham by killing, killing the gangster heads and taking over all the gangs and controlling, controlling it rather than trying to stop it. Uh-huh. So there was some sort of fine print. Spoiler alert. It's rules. Jason Todd returned from the dead. Let's not get into how he's returned from the dead. Yes. But it sounds more like they asked, do you but guys that's want to where, see a That's what leads us into the Robin. first movie, Under the Red Hood, that explores uh-huh. that whole storyline of him, of young Jason Todd as Robin when he's doing good, as an older Jason Todd, as an older Robin where he's kind of a dick and nobody really likes him as a dead Jason Todd, as the Red Hood Jason Todd, and this is all the movie. One of my favorite DC animated movies is Under the Red Hood, written by, uh, written by former real-world star Judd Wynick. Uh, he, had, he had written the whole story arc of Jason Todd coming back to life and taking over and becoming the Red Hood. That was whole, his whole... Um, Before or after he was on MTV's The Real World? After. <laughs> But that was his it, huh. that was his brain baby to bring back Jason Todd, make him Red Hood, 
and uh, have him be a foil? And how would that affect Batman? How would the loss of your one uh, good soldier, to quote Ooh. the Dark Knight? Oh, I love that line. It's one of my favorite lines. Right? Yeah. So how would how is the loss of that, and then having him come back? How does that affect? The world's See, asking detective. those kinds of psychological questions, that is further evidence that this theme is just growing up with us. Well, and um, even before me. Well, and, you know, I did, uh, you know, again, I had the graphic novel of A Death in the Family. I was very emotionally involved in The Death of Robin. Fast forward 20 years later, and I'm watching Batman Under the Red Hood, and it's, a, it's one of their best animated movies by far. It's maybe top five at least, maybe even top three. It's a fantastic movie. Go watch Under the Red it's, Hood. Under the Red yeah, Hood it's fantastic. is my favorite yeah. DC animated movie, and it's easily maybe my, one of my top ten movies of all time. Yeah. I just love yeah. the story. It, it is really presented. It's very emotional when, uh, when Jason faces Batman and he wants to know, why couldn't you kill the Joker after what he did to me? Like, it's very – I'm getting goose nipply all talk uh-huh. just thinking about it right now. So we'll pause – I mean, pause, put a pin in that. Yeah, and Maybe and, have a whole show um, about Under the Red Hood. But and, we have to uh, they, so, Yeah, well, so it and, sounds and, like – so, so now they're on, just they're, doing a remake of that straight across, scene for scene, shot for shot, Gus Van Sant. Now let's listen to that interview. Uh, slow down. Go. Hold on, hold on. Now. Hold on now. See, because, okay, so this is... Ease up is, on the atomic battery, buddy. What else, Jimmy? What else is happening This here? is what, where it gets kind of crazy because, like, well, huh. just to kind of finish my thought from previous is that this thing is, you know, I was aware of this story. I was emotionally involved in the story, but I didn't, I did not know the story of the Red Hood. So I'm watching Batman Under the Red Hood, and I'm just blown away because it's connecting to a comic that I read 20 years earlier. I loved it. I had no idea that Jason Todd was a part of this. Now, they ended up casting Bruce Greenwood as the voice of Batman in Batman Under the Red Hood. They also put in Neil Patrick Harris. This is before he kind of made his comeback with... um, how I Met Your Mother. Jason Eccles played the voice of the Red Hood. Um, but the guy that played Jason Todd was Vincent Martella. And so Bruce Greenwood played Batman. Vincent Martella played Jason Todd. And both of those guys, oh, and uh, John DiMaggio played the Joker. All three of those guys came back to do Batman A Death in the Family, you know, some 10 years later. So it's it's also worth noting, I'd like to mention, that John DiMaggio's Joker uh-huh. is his take on the Joker is one of my favorite, uh, next to Cesar Romero's, uh, is my favorite. Because everybody is kind of uh, either doing him or doing Jack Nicholson. And his and this John DiMaggio's take in Under the Red Hood, which everybody could pause right now and go watch, uh, is my favorite take on the Joker. I think he does a lot of Mark Hamill Joker. I think he's. I think he curbs a lot he's of it. Ju- he, yeah. he takes. He distills Mark Hamill's performance into like everybody is. Is wants to lean into a Riddlerish, over-the-top laughing and and can't control it. And he's just really. The whole performance is really cool. I agree. Really subdued. <laughs> At the end, there's a couple of little laughs to let you know that it's bubbling underneath. Oh, you know? Well, I can't wait to hear from him in the interview. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> 
So Speaking yeah. of that interview, who else is on there? So so we're talking I understand John DiMaggio had something come up, but we talked to Bruce Greenwood. Mm-hmm. We talked to but, uh Vincent but, but, Marshmallow but, 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 but Dan, we haven't gotten there yet. That's not even oh, what we're talking about. You're kidding me. We're talking about the newest offering from the D C animated universe is a death in the it's called Death in the Family. And it's a continuation of this Under the Red Hood. So you can decide, much like you could back in the 80s, if Robin lives. It's an interactive video. You can decide if Robin lives, if Batman saves him, if Robin dies. You can choose all these different pathways and end up with, I think it was, Mark, how many endings? Do you remember? Uh, I've only seen myself. Upwards of 10? Upwards yeah, of 10 I endings, think there's 7 to 10 because, uh, you know, you can pick... Uh, I'm just going to give you guys the first choice. So Batman saves Jason Todd, Jason Todd gets away, or Jason Todd dies. And so you have those three vectors, and then from those three vectors, there that's could the be. first choice? Yeah, that's it. It's, oh, yeah. And it's like within five minutes of starting the movie. So it's like it immediately starts to branch off. And I think everybody's assumed that you've seen Under the Red Hood at this point because it's a kind of like a sequel to that. And so it just gets right Jason to the meat. It gets right to the meat. Your first the choice is it over? Well, no, because Red Hood. <laughs> yeah, it gives, so, yeah, it, there, which is really good. It gives you a really truncated version of that story, narrated. And I don't want to. I know Mark doesn't want to spoil too much in case anybody's going to see no, it. No, we don't want to spoil anything. Like, but I, right. Yeah, yeah, I still want to see this. Yeah. So let's not over talk it any further. So. That is who we got to talk to at New York Comic Con, is the cast of Death in the Family. We talked to Brendan Vietti. Mm-hmm. We talked to Bruce Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We talked to Vincent Martella. I, Vincent I do, Martella. I do remember that. And we also talked to the lovely Zahra Fazal, who plays Talia Agul. Ah. Yep. And the writer creator. Did you guys mention his name yet? Brendan Vietti. Okay, yeah. okay, I, I, I mentioned him sorry, first. Sorry, yeah, okay. the writer creator. He's the one that yes. took the ball no, those other people would have jobs and ran it into the Good end work. zone. Um, yes. he, he mapped it all out, came up with all these stories and versions, and it's pretty amazing. So that's who we're about to listen yeah, to. God, it just like it seems like such an undertaking. It's hard not to think about it when you do it. You know what? I'm just going to ask him. Magic interview machine, bring us over there. Let me try and grill this Zoom uh, uh, press conference from New York Comic Con. Meanwhile, welcome listeners to the world of 2020 Comic Con roundtables. They're just Zoom meetings. But as your intrepid host, Grim Shea, here, I will not let the fact that all these are our pre recorded responses to other people's questions stop me from asking the tough questions. As always, listeners, you can count on me. So let's get right to it. First question, director Brandon Vietti. How do you even plan a choose your own adventure movie? Come on, man. Is it easy or what? Go! It's extremely difficult to plan out. Uh, um, in addition to the, the branching, it wasn't just straight ahead riding. It was also connecting to Under the Red Hood. Um, we told such a great story there from Judd Winnick, who wrote the original story for the comics, who, who wrote the script for the movie that I directed. And it was a, a great sort of launch pad story uh, for a lot of the new material in Batman Death and the Family. 
Um, so I, I tried to kind of use some of that material because it's familiar. A lot of fans have already seen it. That's, that's a beloved story in DC history now. Uh, the movie did well, and I know a lot of people have seen it. So I wanted to just like kind of, you know, jump off of those things that you might remember and then take you in entirely new directions based on some of that knowledge. There's a lot of stuff planned into this story that, that is uh, definitely more rewarding if you're deeply familiar with the Batman universe and specifically uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. So having to track <laughs> all of that material, um, all of you know the, the knowledge I've learned as a fan and as a maker of Batman stories over the years, um, trying to em employ all of that knowledge, put it into these branching stories so that there's a lot of Easter eggs along the way, a lot of history that is touched on um, was pretty difficult. So I was, I was writing uh, and editing simultaneously. Uh, I didn't quite have the freedom to just go straight ahead and write. I, I was literally editing the movie as I was writing it. Um, so that was very challenging, but I do hope to make more of these. I really, really want people to pick up this Blu-ray. I really tried to make this a, a really entertaining new experience for people. Um, and I, I really hope that this will launch a lot of new movies where we can expand and go further. Um, there's a limited number of choices here, but if this proves to be a really popular uh, story for a lot of people, um, we'll get to do more. Um, so I really hope people will pick up that Blu-ray Enjoy making those choices. Let Warner Brothers know you want more so that I can keep making these. We can all get together and make more of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. We all want more. We all want fun. Rah, rah, rah. But how exactly, sir, do you balance the story needs with player choice? Answer me that and do it quickly. Hmm. That's a great question. Then give me a great uh, answer. You know, with the, with the choices... Um, I, I really tried to develop choices that put uh, put Jason Todd specifically at at a real crossroads in his life. Uh, I think that still provides a lot of freedom to the audience. I you know it, it's hard. I think just giving the choice is the freedom. So I don't think I was focusing too much on on you know the audience so much as I was the character. I wanted these choices to be rooted in you know strong directions for the character. Strong life-changing events happening where it's where the decisions are are not yes or no they're much deeper these are life-altering decisions that you'll have to make along the way and you'll have to think about them so to me that was really the the hard part of um of the writing was coming up with these decisions that uh are very deep then coming up with repercussions from these choices that are unexpected because uh, that was, I think, my number one thing through uh, going into this uh, branch narrative uh, interactive experience was I didn't want to just present go left or go right. It had to be much deeper than that. You had to, like, really think about making the choice and then see that your choices don't always lead to where you think they're going to go. So making the outcomes unexpected and making the choices deep, uh, I think, is, is a, such an important part of uh, the storytelling process to, you know, really help you connect deeper with the characters. Um, the, the story had to surpass the gimmick, so to speak. Uh, so, and, and again, that was my, my attempt to, again, draw people into this interactive experience. I really hope, you know, people enjoy uh, these, these decisions and these outcomes. 
Uh, sounds a little to me like you're just a lazy writer making us, the audience, do the work for you. But I'm going to give you extra points for coming up with branch narrative interactive experience out of your ass. All right, switching gears, let's go to the voice cast. You, Bruce Greenwood, you had to do a new version of Batman? What the hell? How many times can you do it? What was that like? Go, go. Well, I was I was woefully ignorant of the of the superior Batmans that had come before, and in a way, it was it was lucky because I I I, I wasn't I didn't realize how much I had to live up to. Um, so I was just preparing for the for the character as I saw him, and it wasn't until it wasn't until later that I realized how many sort of seminal performances had been had been iterated by other voice actors. And so I was so there were no comparisons in my mind because I just I fortunately didn't I, I just had the good sense not to go there because I think it would have really I would have uh, I would have struggled a little bit, frankly, trying to trying to evoke certain aspects of other people's performances that, that are maybe not organic to who I who I am, you know. So um and and originally talking with Tim and and dialing in timber and tone and that kind of thing, I was being guided by them as well. So it wasn't as though I came in with a with with something that was immovable at all. I came in with a with you know some pretty mushy clay, and they went, "It's not that shape. No, no, different shape. Try this, and you know, get get here, get there, get wherever." wherever you need to drift into, they, they helped me find that. So that, that was, um, that was a really collaborative process. Well, that sure sounds like code for, I got everyone else to do my job for me to me, sir. So in that spirit, I'm going to move down the line. Next up, I got a question for you, Vincent Martella. You played Robin, you played Jason Todd, but you had to play every version according to players' choices as you were recording. What was that like? Was that a dream come true? A pain in the ass? Somewhere in between? I'm tired of waiting for answers. You better start talking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was uh, definitely a large part of the process when recording the film. And Brandon was really helpful with that. So was uh, Wes Gleason, who was uh, helping me uh, while I was in the booth and, and voice directing me. And Brandon did a really fine job as he was, you know, discussing in a question earlier of this map that he's created to, to lay out what all these choices mean for all the characters. And, you know, when I got into record, he showed me that with, you know, all these different branches and what all these decisions will mean for the character and showed me a lot of the art that he had already had for, you know, how the character aesthetically will change. And then it was a matter of making sure that, um, you know, uh, every one of those, choices and how that shapes Jason Todd going forward is reflected in the performance and staying true to that, you know, that specific version of him throughout that entire storyline and not, you know, falling back into sounding, no, that sounds too much like, you know, this specific storyline we were exploring earlier in the day when we were recording and, and not falling into those things. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said I was doing it perfectly the whole time. I certainly wasn't, I, you know, it was definitely a, a team effort to make sure and, and keep me on track that in a way is really exciting and really cool because it's super rare to get the chance to, to play a character in this many different ways. And even just when Brandon showed me all the art of all the different types of Jason Todd, I was going to get to play. I got so excited. I was so, so excited. 
um, just because I, I knew so little about how this was all going to look in the interactive element and what that meant. So just my own excited way, I, I really enjoyed it, yeah. Matt, wrong. However, honestly, Vince, here, energy, it's infectious. You've, I've really taken a shine to you. You can stick around. Next on the hot seat, Zara Faisal. Listen, you're going to play Talia al Ghul, and you're going to tell me exactly what stands out about it to you. It's that simple. Don't do it wrong. Don't screw it up and start talking. Um, well, as I mentioned in the panel... Forget the panel. Live in the now. I think Talia and Bruce Wayne are very, very similar people, and that's probably why they get along the way they do. I think that she is very much a team builder and she is, um, you know, as a member of the league of assassins with the weight of her father's legacy of Rachel Ghoul's legacy. Um, what I always think about when I think of Talia is what does it mean to, when you are the successor of something that grand, what do you do to make your own mark on it? How are you different? Do you feel like you have something to prove? Um, so these things are kind of in the back of my head when I, when I think about Talia, and certainly when I approached her in, this, um, in, in Batman, Death in the Family, I think um, you know, she's obviously very powerful and very intelligent, but I think there's this desire to create whatever the next thing is going to be, um, to go a step further. Uh, than her father. And so that to me comes to mind when I think about her. It's like building her own legacy and building her own team. A surprisingly acceptable answer and hopefully spoiler free. All right, you can step aside for now, Zara, but Brandon, you're back on the hot seat. This one's for you and it comes straight from my partner, James Lazinski, Jimmy the Gent. And he wants to know, hey, references to other Batman stuff. Are there some in there? You know you're writing this for fans. What can we expect? Give us an entire list of all your references, starting right now. <laughs> it's basically Easter eggs. Like, what are the other Easter eggs in there? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a ton of references to different, not only books, but, I mean, movies, too. There are, there are you know, I think some, some you know, Tim Burton-type references in there, uh, Nolan references, uh, Christopher Nolan um, I mean, it, it cuts deep. I, I don't want to give all the Easter eggs away. Honestly, I kind of want people to dig in and I'm actually looking forward to getting onto like forums and websites and stuff, uh, down the road to kind of see like, uh, you know, what are people picking up? You know, I, I, I tried to just pack it with references from comics and film, uh, so that people would be able to watch maybe multiple times and go back and find different things each time. Um, so again, uh, sourcing the history of Batman was a big part of constructing this. Uh, and I hope, you know, fans will enjoy going through and finding everything. Cause there's a lot. <laughs> hey, look at that. You dodged another question. Well, before I let you go, let's really talk Batman and to prove you got the chops to do a Batman movie. Answer me this question, Brandon, why so serious? Psychology is deeply rooted in Batman's world and Batman's characters. Um, his, uh, his villains in particular are, are very grounded. They're, they're not always about big superpowers. There's a lot of criminal psychology involved, a lot of uh, 
a lot of villains born of tragedies um, that have led them down dark paths. Um, Batman himself is born of tragedy. And, you know, I think he's so appealing as a character because of his, his strength to come overcome that history of tragedy. Um, and, you know, coping with those tragedies, I think, is it's hard to ignore that anymore. Um, I, you know, I, I grew up with superhero shows that, that, and books that, you know, can cartoonify that, that criminal psychology. You know, I think there's also sometimes on, on the hero side a tendency to sometimes have heroes be able to brush off tragedy and get past it and just get back in the saddle and keep riding. You know, it's, it's sort of a, an old hero uh, kind of concept. And I think things are deeper now. And I think everybody knows that. I think these themes, um, you know, to, to the point of the question are just laid bare and out there every day in, in news headlines and in, in the world around us and our friends and our family. Um, these sorts of psychological issues are more well known, appreciated now, and you you can't cartoonify this stuff anymore. There's a responsibility in portraying it, and so um, you know I I think with this story with death in the family, I leaned into the horror of it because I, I wanted to have people feel the consequences of of these you know dark choices, dark paths that people face. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I enjoy horror. There's definitely entertainment in horror, um, for, for some people, not everybody, but, but look, I tried to also use it, not just as, um, you know, an excuse to put blood on screen. Uh, I didn't want to pull punches, um, so that when you feel a character going down a dark path and you see the outcome of that, it's more visceral, you feel it more. Um, so I was trying to use horror in a way to kind of deepen the impact of, of the consequences of the character's outcomes and your choices along the way. Um, so, and then also there, there are themes in here of, of mental health, of healing, uh, to, to contrast with what's going on. I tried to make sure that that, that counterbalance was there. There are demonstrations of, uh, stories and themes that, that demonstrate, um, I think good mental health practices. And then there are stories that demonstrate not so good mental health practices. So all of that is, you know, it's the root, it, it's the anchor of, of a lot of, you know, big fantastic superhero action. I, you know, this is, I, I really tried to play that contrast well so that it, it doesn't get too, too topical and, and, and overly overwrought with um, feeling stuff, you know, so it, it's got, it goes both ways. I just, I wanted to make sure I didn't ignore that. I didn't want to cartoonify um, any psychological issues. I wanted to try to handle it as best that I could in the presentation here. I hope that answers the question. Well, it was a joke question and you gave me a four minute long, deadly serious answer. Please learn to follow directions, Brandon. All right, everybody, I've only got one question left, and luckily, it's for Tony the Tiger. Tony, how are those flakes? They're great. <laughs> that's splendid. All right, that's enough. Round table officially over.
bender there yeah that was amigo batman batmobile and bicycle uh that's a that's a commercial from the 1970s yeah i had all that stuff jimmy said to the shock of no one (laughs) 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 so yeah that was a interesting bit of round table ink yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, uh, we grilled them, and they came through on the other side. Gave us a little mm-hmm. glimpse into what we can expect from uh, uh, Death and the Family. The, uh, how did he put it, a, a, a branch narrative, choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure, let's talk about that. That's big. When we were growing up, they were books that's easy to read. It's a juvenile kind of gimmick. And they were always generic. There were, I think there was a couple of James Bond ones, if I remember. Correct there me if this, I'm wrong. There was this well, book series that I read as a kid. So this would have been about in the 70s called Encyclopedia Brown. And some oh, of them I have, remember those. Yeah, and some of those were Choose Your Own Adventures where you would go. Oh, I don't you know, remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, the Tom Hanks character, Josh Baskin, in the movie Big, you guys remember? He gets the job at a toy company. Yeah. You know, uh and his big idea at the end of the movie was a comic book where you flip the pages and it allowed you to choose the ending of the character. So, <laughs> so yeah, this was a concept that was <laughs> that they've always been trying to work on. Yeah, it's, you know? it's an old idea yeah. for when you could just sort of throw, say, and it was always like uh, a lot of them I remember were in like the the what's it called the first person perspective. Where it's like right. you and your friends accidentally stumbled into your uncle's laboratory and got shrunk, and now you're in a living in a in a village of ants or something. Like right. it was and then it's what just some do? crazy yeah. off the wall thing uh, that did. So when you start doing with something that has this much freedom of choice, and you apply it to a big franchise like Batman. And Marky, e, I remember before we were uh, recording, you were talking about how it it lets you choose canon. Explain that to me. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a big Star Wars guy. And, you know, most of us are really, really big on the concept of canon, which is a agreed upon narrative and source. So, you know, if it happens in the movies, that's the first rule of canon. So if it happens in the movies in Star Wars, that's what really happens in the Star Wars story. And that's why then, everyone knows Han shot first. He's a murderer. Han killer. shot first. Right. Han uh, shot first. Or, I mean, you know, folks, I mean, let's not argue about anything. Han shot first. Go out and vote. There's a very few things yeah. that yeah, everybody was, agree I remember on right 1977. Now. I saw it. It was in the movie. He shot first. Yeah. All right. And that's, so that's fine. Uh, now, that's an example of canon. Yes. Now, there's also there's the there's the um, there which what you guys just um, expressed was something called head canon, which is where you kind of make little adjustments in your head to 
uh, kind of um, square things that aren't quite square. And but that again, I, I don't want to get too into uh, that. However, well, you the, brought it up. Yeah, I don't blame the, you not wanting to get thing, too much into that. The 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 fun thing about this is that this particular type of format allows you uh, to actually manipulate what the canon will be. You know, because these these are official DC licensed stories and creators and artists, and they're all contributing to this. Yeah, and but if there's seven to ten endings, surely some of them have to contradict each other. They Yes, but let's go back to the concept of a headcanon. Right. You get to tell it where it's going and create the story that is true to you. And maybe they all exist at once, or maybe you have a favorite. It's it's really up to you as a participant in where the story gets to go. And so that's where the whole interactive thing comes in, and that's what makes this particular experience so different. And the other thing about this, which is so goddamn cool, yay, physical media! Yay, <laughs> physical media! Because... You have to have the Blu-ray to get the interactive experience. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. But what was all this digital download I was hearing about? Yes, you can still do the digital download, but you cannot do the same interactive experience that you can with the Blu-ray. So the digital download is just a standard, what, like 90-minute animated Batman movie? The digital download has the titles of each, like you can watch each storyline out to its finality. Yes, but it's not like it's it's not like this crossroads that you reach. It's not like this interaction well, where you actually get to choose. So it's basically it's just chapters. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't like that at all. Why would they even do that? Well, then yay, physical yay, media. Well, physical well, media. Because, yeah, because they're limited to on the the digital side, they're limited to what they could provide as far as being interactive. Right. Right. No. Right. So no. My if, if there's anything, my good friend George Lucas has told me is that if you do it digitally, down, George you Lucas. can do would... anything. <laughs> you absolutely. I've done it on Netflix without physical Shoot media. It on I know it's possible. So I'm not quite sure what their issue is if they just don't trust everyone to have a good player. But you I'm sure technology can players, catch yeah. up with that. I know it can be done without physical media. Well, but today, right now, yay, physical media. This is a reason to go <laughs> This is a something. death rattle, but yes. it's loud. Yes. Good for you, Blu-ray. Well, and, and me, I actually, um, I actually played it, and a lot of, uh, a lot of people oh, I like that, that, are, that you that said are, you played it. I, I like that. Right. That's how a I lot feel of, about them. A lot of people that are listening to this, you may not even have a Blu-ray player, but you do have a PlayStation you do have an Xbox, right? So I literally <laughs> making further assumptions, but please don't take it personally, listeners. Yeah, well, it's all about I, I buzz mean, it's, marketing. Yeah. We don't need a buzz market PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. I was actually using my controller on my PlayStation to play with this particular thing, and it was it was great. It was it it is fun. It's a little bit closer to a video game feel than it is to a movie feel because it's just there's not that kind of cloud of a cannon hang, hanging over you. You get to play with this, and it's yeah. it's kind of a lot of fun. Well, But so, it seems I, to me at best, though, it's like when you uh, watch it slash play it, you're just creating an unstable wormhole to another dimension where 
this is what happens. Uh, but eventually, the curators the of the actual band. DC animated universe are going to have to pick which one of those realities is canon, right? Yeah. Well, and then also, um, you know, I'm sure I'm, you know, as they kind of alluded to in the uh, roundtable, is that this is a whole bunch of different um, stories that are floating around about Batman and Robin and Red Hood that they get to kind of all bring together. There's all these, you know, different um, uh, multiverses, right? And they get to kind of play with them all and put them all in one movie so they can all kind of exist at the same time. And you get to kind of kind of follow them all through. Oh, I, it's I a can, really I neat can experience. hear you straining not to spoil it for me. So I'm not going right, to keep pushing. And, and we're it sounds losing. like they kind of address this. So yeah, this, you got me more on the hook. I, I really wouldn't say this is more – this is multiverses thing, Mark, if I may. This is really like kind of what if – like and you can choose some storylines are straight through to the end, like one is, and then the other the other ones are you can't know are spoilery you know discussion are non spoilery discussion sorry, but you can make decisions along the way like does Robin die here, and uh, like the the first three choices are Robin lives, Robin dies, Batman saves him, and then from there you make a couple more choices and and <clears throat> you get five to seven minutes of video and news story, which Brandon Vietti presents really great options and great new storylines and um, versions or iterations of Robin, Red Hood. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't say, I mean, you know, those ones are in there, so I'll stop there. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> and, and the other thing I would want to say is, and none of these endings are what you expect and none of the decisions you make are what they seem at first blush. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. God damn it. I just made it worse. It's a, right. That's one of those good old tropes from choose your own adventures where yeah. if the first choice is save the princess and escape, it turns out you, the bridge collapses and you fall all the way to the bottom and die. Right. The, yeah. Don't eat yeah. all the ice cream. Well, the King's mad. You didn't eat his ice cream. So he chopped your head. <laughs> right. It's that kind of stuff. And it's so and it's so fun. Like I watched it with my son, and uh, he loved it. He was engaged, and it's you know as I've mentioned before in this forum, it's hard for us to not hard, but more and more challenging to find things that we both engage in on the same level. He was totally into. Oh, let's go back to here and find out what happens if we choose. If you know, again, I don't want to say too much, but what if so, Robin does this, or what if you know. I, again, I don't want to say too much. It does. It increases replayability than, like crazy. But answer yes. me this, because I have the novelty of it is what, at least the video stuff. And I guess to a degree, any book that you read, you're always in the back of your mind like, well, I can always just go back and choose different later. Uh, so is it more the novelty or do you think the narrative works for it? And tell me honestly, no one else is listening, guys. Do you think it overcomes the novelty bug and still is a worthwhile story? Uh, can I go first on this one? Please, yeah, please do. Mind? Okay, all right. So this particular Actually, thing Jimmy, is... why don't you go first? Okay, <laughs> okay I was going to say... No, Mark, I've changed my mind. Marky, I want you to wait. All now right, here go. We go. All right, here we go. So this particular thing, uh, this particular story... The fact that they made this big campaign in the 80s where we got to choose the fate 
it's so fitting that this is the first story that we get to choose the fate again. So I believe, to answer your question, that this was the perfect story to start on. And as we heard in some of the audio before, if it's successful, they're going to keep doing it because the excitement works. Because you have all the, 80 years of Robin, for example. It is uncanny you have all of these, how perfect this whole, choice is, yeah. There's a whole bunch of stories that you can break off and you can have fun, you know. Um, you can kill Robin maybe, after Robin after Robin. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, yeah, there's an, there can be a Jason Todd story. It's, it's and, easier to be a Robin than it is to be Batman. The pressure's yeah. off. They know you're going to die. Your existential right. ellipsis I might as well, is He is closed. wearing a red yeah. shirt. But, uh, that's not too – that's not that's, – that's a whole other <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, when it's convenient, Jimmy knows Star Trek lore. But, you know, and again, just to kind of keep it like on this – on the top on, – on the character of Robin, you could have stories of Carrie Kelly. and You could have stories of um, – uh, Stephanie Brown or uh, Damian Wayne or Tim Drake and all of them. It doesn't matter, right? There, there can be all these different variations and all this fun that you can have within the DC universe. And we get this interactive kind of um, presentation where we can control the canon. This is how the story's going to go. And that's kind of cool to put that into the fans' hand. I really like that. So I don't think that we've seen the end of this. Um, it's maybe just finally we got the the budget, the technology, and the fan base so that we can really support this type of storytelling. Could be. It sounds, I know you're not asking, but it sounds close enough to like you asking what I think. So I'm going to tell you now, I think it's always going to be a nice little niche thing. I don't think you're ever going – it's never going to be more popular than it always has been, basically, from being young adult, very young adult children's books, essentially, with this as a gimmick. And every now and then you find just the right kind of story idea to do it. But, you know, it's like the idea has been around for – do you guys remember the old Infocom computer games, the text adventure mm -hmm. ones? I, that's exactly what this is, but with a little less feeling around. So that like, has kind uh, of always we, been we there. And they've played... applied it to video games pretty well. You know, if you just look at like Bethesda and RPGs that go a hundred hours, but it we also... I don't think it ever really takes off in video. I'm sorry, Dan. I I tried no, to, we also to talk over on. you a couple times, but. Uh, we also, that's all I wanted to say. In, <laughs> in the 90s, we played those video games, that uh, video cassette games, like videotaped games that were kind of, you'd roll the dice and you'd have to fast forward or choose. And they were kind of a choose your own adventure type of thing too. So the technology yes. has kind of advanced a little bit. Remember in Community where they played that game? Yeah, yeah, the old yeah. VHS yeah. games. Those, those which, were real. Where the yeah. big joke was that it Seemed like it was Star going Trek to one. catch on and absolutely yeah. didn't. <laughs> yeah. Infocom had a better time. Well, and I, I could say now that if if they're going to do this again, they're going to do this with the death of Superman because it's doomsday. Does he kill him? Does he not? 
Then you have all these other supermen coming in. They all try to replace Superman, and the, you know, blah blah blah. Right? There's all these. There's all these alternate story arcs that could come in. DC especially is full of like crazy high stakes. If you yeah. were in Batman's shoes making this decision, what would you do? And I know in yeah. in the actual established canon, there's lots of those for especially in DC. So I think you're right. It is ripe for it, but I don't think it's going. It's not like the coming wave. I enjoy them, no, but I'm glad it, that I mean, it's not like I might, every Dan, year I they add, put out a know, new Bandersnatch. It's a bit much. You know, um, we are currently spending a lot of time at home as a, as a broad stroke. Yep. And people <laughs> are looking for new things and new ways to enjoy media. And uh, that being said, companies like Netflix are looking for new ways to get you to enjoy their media. And they had a pretty fairly reasonably good-sized hit with Bandersnatch. And then they did the Kimmy Schmidt one, which was also a pretty good, a pretty good sized thing. And and I don't, I don't think you can actually say that because Netflix doesn't release their numbers. I'm judging by my numbers in that I watched them both. <laughs> yeah, I watched them both too. So it was 100% a hundred percent, a couple more than of the more market than one, share in my house. But, but what I was kind of leading to is they don't really even care if you like the story. They look at number of times you watched it, and if like I did with Bandersnatch and Kimmy Schmidt. Spent the, you know, a good part of my day going through yeah, it did, all the it options. It did marry you know, the. Uh, that's what the, they're looking for. They're looking all the for side points the of clickbait with an so, established uh, intellectual property that they. I had. foresee this being done well as a a new and, you know, uh, at least interesting slash exciting way to tell a story. That's, and and I agree with you four years ago. And now I feel like, all right, I've done a few of them. Let's make sure we only reserve those for stuff that has lots of other canon. Yeah. And stuff that, like, I really enjoyed the Kimmy Schmidt one. But if I hadn't watched the show, there's no way I would have gone to the trouble of it. Yeah, that's fair. And now that's having fair. done I, it, I'll, I, I, I'm, I rewatch the show a lot. I don't redo after my first three or four run-throughs. I'm kind of done. And again, uh, I think it's sort of because I noticed the gimmick behind it, and then once the gimmick wears off, I'm like, oh, now I actually have to put in a lot of work to earn the content, which used to be spoon fed to me. I think that I think and that's that this why can I'm be, a negative asshole. Uh, that's not this, why you're a negative asshole. Well, yeah, there's there were my parents getting shot yeah. outside the opera. There, there I don't want to get into the, it. <laughs> there, there is something. Pearls there, on the street. Go on. Sorry, Marky. Hold on. Got to go. There is something really kind of cool about the about, about doing this type of thing when there's a death of a major comic book character. Yes, I think they um, picked because, exactly the right yeah, story for this. Because, yeah, I agree. Because, because we all know you're not really going to kill off a superhero. But it there's does say be, death in the family right at the top. I know. So it's like, and ooh. so. And so why not, you know, if you're going to do this type of format, there's alternate endings to that death. He's not really dead. He comes back in a different form. He comes back as a different hero. He comes back, you know, like you can play along or he does stay dead. And what does that do to everybody around that are that that are the survivors? So this particular format fits well. In, with the death of a comic book superhero, yeah, because 
because we we know he's not really dead. So how is he not really dead? Well, here are the different here are the different versions of why he's not dead. Pick yours. So like yeah. Dan was kind of like Dan was saying, we put um, the whole whiteboard into this episode. And, yeah. and Brandon Vietti just told us a little while ago the story had to sur- surpass the gimmick, right? So in this case, like you said, Kimmy Schmidt got old after a little while. I think uh, what happens to Jason Todd for me. As a huge yeah. Batman fan, I want to see every option. I want to see. I, right. I do go back, and I've watched it twice with my son. We've watched it all the way through all the options twice, and now I'm watching it by myself, looking for all the Easter eggs and all the references and all the spoiler alert, Dark Knight Returns yep. references. And and it's just and it's great writing. Brandon Vietti, great writing. Yep, I agree. Great There's voice a acting, lot of but. The writing on this is a lot of, as, as much, a lot of Easter eggs. As much as again, as a lifelong Batman fan, as much as Under the Red Hood originally, the Judd Winnick saga, as much as that blew me away and grabbed me and gra- and made that part of my canon as a Batman yeah. fan, this movie does the same and adds to it in such a way that we're going to see. I guarantee you, we're going to have to see. These version, these different versions of the character that we've seen in this movie, we're going to see more of them. We're going to so see. So you think they've splintered reality? It's, 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 it's irreparable mini, now. Well, the multiverse is a big seller right now, and whether it's a mini series <laughs> to test the waters on this version, you know, again, we don't want to say too much. This version, that Someone's version, got to rein in continuity and canon fi- now. Five, five out of these new endings, you will see more of these characters. I guarantee it. Yeah, I'd, I agree. I'd bet my cowl on it. All right. Okay. Fair enough. But that also means that anyone who wants to keep up with all of it has to watch this experience at least five times. And I no, do notice see. that Jimmy Jimmy refers to it uh, as – I'm sorry. That was mean. But I noticed that, Jimmy, you refer to it uh, repeatedly as a movie or different storylines – uh, and you say watch, whereas Mark E. did, uh, I'll remind you, jump right to first time I played it. Right. So I think maybe, and maybe it I, it seems like I'm shitting on it, but it's things like this I consider more like a video game. Mm-hmm. Sure, a slow yeah. video game that's just a cutscene video game, but I feel like once I have explored everything in a video game world, I can put it aside. It lives in a little part of my brain. The more games afterwards I play, the further it gets away, but... Still, uh, whereas I consider movies a different thing, that is something I can go revisit because I just sit there and they pour it on my face or whatever the. Uh, did you see the movie. Blair? Did you see the Blair Witch Project in the theater? I did. I did. Oh, yeah. I did. And did you did you really enjoy it? Uh, mostly, I really enjoyed it until the end. Yeah, I didn't. I thought the end was kind of uh, like I because. Uh, the internet was new, and you know, a lot of people, myself included, kind of bought into the hype. Like, up until a couple of days before I saw it, that somebody spoiled it for me that it wasn't real. So I went in, oh, kind of okay. half half in and half out. See, and then so I thought it was pretty guys, creepy uh, and was all in until the ending was spoiler alert: a, dirt, a dude jerking off in the corner. Which <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you, I don't think that's yeah, what he was doing. Yeah, the, I'm like, you see, like something else was going to happen after he was yeah. jerking off there, and then it just went to black. For for well, all of what actually, I gave you as a viewer, my time and that my emotion. That scared the hell out of me, I needed, by the way. I needed but, a bigger um, payoff. That, that's no, not, it was you guys, scary. And I was like, holy shit, then what's going to happen next? 
Well, you guys didn't really give me the answer I was looking for, so let me. Uh, I let me thought it. Well, then I have an answer yet. But I will say that chat. Let me check the chat real quick. This was. Oh yes, um, I did enjoy the fact that it was kind of like an event. That it was that's a what whole I was big for. thing. Yeah, it's yes. an event. I it's was an event. when I went there. It was everybody a bit was more than a movie. And the, and, yes. and yeah, everybody and was talking about this it. Is, there was a line yeah. around the block, yeah. which is rare these days. Yes. Now ask it's me, not, ask me if I've ever watched it again. Right. Have you ever watched it again? No. Exactly. I saw and so, part now, two at least twice. Oh, more. I, I don't Trying know to if figure it out. Got um, part one, I was like, well, that was an experience more than a movie. <laughs> Why would you say that, Martin? And I've got it all. This conversation's getting away from me, but I do want to say this, is that this movie, <laughs> A Death in the Family, it is an experience, and you have to be involved with it. You have to interact with it. So it's not your typical, you know, this is not going to win any Oscars, because it doesn't qualify, you know, it's different than that. Well, it it's sounds more like, like a game. at least one version on some digital download could. Well, you know, I got to give away my annual Oscar Mayer Award where I just kind of watch movies (laughs) and eat bologna sandwiches. And it's one of the nominees, so don't speak too soon. Does your. uh, I mean, you get a lot of bang for your buck, right? Well, yeah. Hey, you still win an Oscar. I mean, I've got 45 minutes to get through this whole pack of bologna and. And see all the options of what happens to Jason Todd. The Academy Award has a second name. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, guys, I think uh, there is room for this type of film. And when you got the creative talent (laughs) for fans still available, I think that we could. All right. Well, you actually—it's uh, got my thumbs up. I want it to be known that you guys have sold me. I was just grilling you further because I felt like the podcast should be a little bit longer. But you have sold <laughs> me. You. I do want to watch it. Uh, I don't know if you're going to hold a contest to get this because apparently I need the digital, the actual physical media. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah. I would ask that you give me a head start in whatever contest you might be running. Yeah, pay attention to our Twitter feeds. We're, we'll be giving some away. Okay, We're that's the opposite the of a head start. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give Twitter. away my copy. The fine folks at WB Home Entertainment sent me a copy. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, excuse me, and I want to pay it forward. <laughs> let, let somebody else enjoy the love. I'm going to go out and buy it, but you guys could have my free copy, and maybe you guys can pay it forward and give somebody the digital code. But like Marky said, pay attention to our Twitter feeds. Stay cl- at Stay Classy San Diego, at SD no, Batman that can't be right. Sixty six. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's at Stay Classy SDCC, and yours at SD Batman sixty six. Uh huh. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be giving. Uh, he'll be giving his away. I'll be keeping mine. Like like if I'm a like if I'm a Hobbit. Um, like I'm just gonna retweet, <laughs> follow. Like if I'm a troll, make sure you follow <laughs> at SD Batman sixty six. We want the one of the few in the proud. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, I think it's a really good movie, and I think again, yay for physical media. You really should buy it and you should own it because um, the it is a good movie, and I could see this being a really good movie. Like you know, have some director pick the story arc. Have him lay it out for you. Watch it. Okay, wait. So no it's problem. definitely not a movie in its current form. 
It oh, can this be. thing is That's so fine. amorphous. I almost love I know. it. No, I like it. It is. It's really I, I agree with what you're yeah. saying, Dan. It is a bit like a video game. And with, yeah. if I can use the example of Bandersnatch, Go. like I, when that first came out uh, on Netflix, Black Mirror's Bandersnatch, uh, I, I thought, you know, the first run through, great. Second run through, great. And then, you know, I'm just the kind of guy, like, I want to see everything. Yep. So I spent, like I mentioned earlier, a good part of my day going through everything or whatever it was, a couple of days. Saw everything, saw the avenues, went online, made sure I had seen everything, told everybody how much I loved it, still talk about how much I loved it, but I haven't watched it since. And, and, and you know feel, what? And feel no need to because I've exhausted all that. That right. I felt the same that way is, about Quantum Leap. That is actually what you were describing is exactly how everybody plays a Hideo Kojima game. And if you want to understand that <laughs> reference, you're going to have to tune in for our video game episode. But in the meantime, snake, I feel like snake, we've killed enough Robins snake. here today. That's about enough of this. That's uh, what they say at the end. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.